Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing what automation and artificial intelligence are doing to the world of work. So, Peter, can you start us off and tell us, um, answer this question for us? What are what are automa- automation and artificial intelligence doing for the world of work? So, I'll, I'll preface with saying that I'm a technology optimist. So, um, I, I may have a rosy view on on things. Um, I, 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 the automation, intelligent agents of the form of machine learning algorithms, up to more complicated general artificial intelligences, are likely to become prevalent in the in the next coming in the coming decades um and uh as we already see we we are devolving to um narrow uh, narrow artificial intelligences various things that we used to do ourselves so a good example which you may not think of but the dlr every time you get on the dlr you're putting your life in the trust of, a, of a, a, an autonomous system, which is making decisions about when and where to stop trains so they don't crash into each other. Uh, same with uh, with Google. You're, every time you do a search query, you're relying on an, uh, an artificial intelligence to prioritize the th- results you get to give you the best the best uh, results that, that, that fit your term so we're already we already started doing this we're putting in trust in autonomous agents and i think this trend will continue more and more agency will be given to these these things to do things on our behalf um, and possibly to the point where more complicated life death decisions are being made on your behalf so uh, a very near uh, example are, are, are autonomous vehicles so you'll soon be careering down the motorway at 70 miles an hour in a car that's completely uh, uh, completely controlling itself without any input from from the driver um i think and i think this will be we uh, uh, will creep in will be will will we'll, and we'll, we'll become more and more comfortable with this uh, and more the, these autonomous agents become more and more capable of doing more and more things for us Okay, so a paradise of technology awaits us. I yes, I have. I, I'm as I say, I'm very optimistic. Okay, no downsides. Well, uh, no, I mean, I, are, I, we, are we going to go on to that later? I, I think we'll probably touch on that later. I mean, there's the. the I think the uh, many of the many of the objections to this are uh, the, a modern form of ludditeism, sort of a, a a fear of technology from taking jobs and a fear of technology for moral and ethical reasons uh and a, a, a fear that um uh, and, a, and, a, and a hankering for a uh, previous previous um skewed view of what the world used to be like back in the day a sort of pastoralism that uh, a view of a world that never actually existed okay we can euthanize all those people who think that so well, no, I think I think they'll just I think they'll just sort of uh, wake you know they'll, they'll as, die uh, off as 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 many of the luddites um, uh, they 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 just took on different jobs you know they they were they didn't expire they just re they 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 and their prodigy prodigy progeny just they and their their children just uh, went on to do different things to, took different jobs okay um, I want to hear from Nick but just before I do we've all got partners okay um, do any of you um, have I'm, I'm, I, actually, I'm going to do. I'm, I'm sure Peter definitely does. But do you have a calendar, a Google Calendar, or similar to run the family calendar? Do you have that, Peter? Um, 
No, we don't actually. Uh, my partner is resistant to. She she still has a paper diary. She she likes it. she she uh, mainly because of her love of stationery rather than because it's a practical way of okay. doing things. But yeah, she she's not yet uh, fully digitised her. Calendar. Okay. Yeah, my mine a constant source of annoyance to me that we don't have such a thing. But she she's got a file of facts. Okay. Would you believe? Right. Okay. <laughs> can you still get file of facts paper? Yeah, yeah you, you can. can yeah. I see it all the time wow. in Dolly Smith. No, well, I'm I'm actually very very surprised, especially with you, Peter. But I'm sure you're sort of you're flying. I'm the flag chipping on away. This. Yeah. I'm chipping um, away. Because even in my household, for seven years now, I've been saying to my wife, "Look, we should get a Google Calendar to manage all this." And she insists on using this paper calendar in the kitchen, which just drives me mad because um, we just you know. It doesn't automatically sync with your well, Google Calendar. I think this is an interesting thing. Maybe a subject for another podcast. But for them, it's convenient because it's it's in their pocket or their yeah. handbag all the time. They don't they don't they they're not experience they not they don't experience the inconvenience that it has for everybody else that yeah. needs to needs access to that information. Yeah, God, wives and partners are so selfish. <laughs> um, okay, um, so Nick, you, you you chip in here. Yeah, well, I, I suppose I want to present without particularly subscribing to it right now the pessimistic argument here which is not a technological one it's an economic one um which which is that okay uh you know the the history of uh, economic development since the agricultural revolution has been to develop tools right so um you you know you do, you you work out what someone is doing when they're plowing a field and you go what well, you know i can get a tool to do that actually i can get a designer plow that a horse can do the work of six men um and it's perfectly true that every revolution has had associated with it people who um resist it and say well no i'm a plowman and this thing is going to take my job away as peter says uh the economy has always adapted so you know by 1850 half of the people in britain had moved to uh the cities and were working uh in industry and um you know by nowadays i think something something like one percent of gdp is agriculture but we're producing more food than ever um brilliant no one moans about that that's brilliant i mean you know one person can now do the job of hundreds from 150 years ago um same with the industrial uh revolution and and then the you know the the sort of technology revolutions in the 20th century um have seen those industrial jobs be automated and the same argument so this is taking jobs away from you know people who work in manufacturing people who build cars now it's all robots uh well you know then those people in theory will go off and become computer game designers or artists or something or 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 accountants or do some other intellectual services um and throughout history you know in, in 1930 um Keynes predicted that electrification and the eternal combustion engine would lead to widespread technological unemployment. Um, People in the 1960s started making predictions about um, computers, you know, putting people out of work. And uh, the standard economic response here is is to say this is the the lump of labour fallacy, the idea that there's a certain amount of work that needs to be done. And if a machine is doing some of it, that means some humans will be out of work. And um, that is a fallacy because human needs are unlimited uh, broadly. And, you know, there will always be something for people to do. That's that's the standard response. There will always be some something which you can do, which uh, is going to be relatively more valuable. You know, if we've got one person doing the job of 100 in a factory because all they've got to do is switch the robots on, um, then brilliant. That just means we have all this spare surplus labor to go out and do stuff. However... And at the risk of, you know, saying this time is different, 
there is a, the the prospect of artificial intelligence, uh, particularly of a general artificial intelligence. Um, it means that actually it's possible to envisage uh, machines being better at everything, right? Um, at nearly uh, most of the things that we think of as jobs, you know, at writing articles, at doing data analysis, at doing accountancy, at doing law. All of these things are potentially uh, vulnerable to automation. Now, where do we where do we stand there with the sort of standard economic reasoning? Um, you know, it's true that humans will find something that they're relatively better at than the machines are, but it may be it may be simply worth almost nothing, right? That's the problem. That actually, you know, we may find that a lot of people out there do not have any skills that enable them to create a subsistence level of um, uh, uh, you know, of of value. So, you know, effectively. There are there are people who, you know, the equivalent of the horses when the internal combustion engine came along. And this is an a example that was used by Vasily Leontiev, who was a, a Nobel Prize winning economist, who noted that, you know, in, in 1900, there were 20 million horses in the US. Uh, by comparison today, there's about a tenth of that. We didn't find things for the horses to do. You know, they got turned into glue. And and the the the, the question here is, actually, are we going to have large numbers of people who literally there is nothing that they can do that is going to add value better than some machine? But I, but I to, to to continue the optimism vein, I think that because that wasn't optimism. No, I was no, talking no, about no, turning no, people no, into my, glue. My, oh, I see. Yeah. My optimism vein. <laughs> Because uh, if you think that's it's, optimism, I'm they, terrified they, of the world. The, you... the, 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 no, the, 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 if you, uh, Robin Hansen and other writers that sort of ima- uh, that are have made predictions about what a sort of artificial intelligence-driven economy could look like, um, they, 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 generally the, the, on the positive side, if it's a entirely automated economy, the, the 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 rate of growth is is huge potentially doubling every year rather than growing incrementally by a few percent every year doubling every year so the amount of production um far will rapidly far outstrip the human race's need to survive so there's so and this this if 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 managed if managed well um there's just huge amounts of surplus of everything um so that you know which will which will lead to a could lead to a huge increase in in the sort of social state kind of arrangement where actually we are just we we just sit around not doing very much and live off this 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 machine this global machine that produces stuff for us and every every desire that we ever we can ever imagine is is fulfilled by this machine all our our only job is coming up with new desires uh, and everything is taken care of so the, the so there's the, the, that's an opportunity i think that there we start butting up against like natural resource restrictions and an amount of energy we can produce but assuming that the world population is allowed to continue to grow at its current rate there may be a problem but if 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 because we're not uh, because we, 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 everyone lives standing and living increases to a European US level, and everyone starts having two point four children in a family, then the the population growth will will tail off, and we can easily sustain that. Okay, so look, uh, let's try and simplify right, this. And that's 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 an optimistic vision, apparently, well, which sounds sounds slightly worrying to me for a, for a number of reasons. Um, not least, there's the implication there of a really substantial change in our approach to uh, government policy, and particularly. Um, 
you know, the, 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 we've generally, uh, you, you know, over the last hundred years moved towards um, this default assumption that the best way of allocating resources is through markets, where resources are effectively infinite. So you, markets no longer do that. So, but someone has to distribute those resources. There has to be a mechanism for distributing resources. So, I mean, I think there's a suggestion here that, that actually, you know, we will effectively be living all living on a kind of, you know, automated welfare state where um, machines produce stuff and we get given a portion of that mm. um you know I, I i think i mean that's a really that would be quite a substantial um change and that, and so i i think you know we will be and there are also going to be huge transitional costs entailed in in this vision well, um and and then there's also the question of you know whether or not um whether or not humans who all we as we know are all sort of quite flawed and irrational mm. would actually be happier living in this kind of paradise when constraints are removed because you know the the evidence is that humans mm. can't don't it, behave it, very well in the absence of of material constraints you know we, we tend to find it quite hard to manage ourselves we have evolved in a in a environment of scarcity and when you remove that scarcity we don't really know what might happen okay look there's so many this is such a, a broad subject there's so many different avenues we can go down here um i want to narrow it down a bit but before i do that, that what you were saying there reminds me of the matrix mm. uh where they said look we created this world but it just didn't work and everyone knew there was something up it would have didn't it didn't um people yeah, didn't yeah, believe yeah, we, in it because everything we was perfect humans don't can't just can't live in a utopia because yeah, well, it's more like wall-e have you seen Wally? Uh, no, I've not. So it's about a uh, where Earth has been abandoned because it's an industrial wasteland, and yeah. it's about a little robot who who's kind of still fulfilling his role yeah. of going around, uh, sort of tidying things up and and looking wherever he can for evidence of new plant life for the humans to return. Uh, a spoiler alert here, right? And then he they find a plant, he takes it up to the humans who are all living in orbit. And they don't want to return because they're all they're basically all they do is sit on these, uh, you know, motorized chairs and watch telly all day. And they're not remotely interested in coming back to Earth and living in the kind of you know, natural world anymore. Sounds good. Um, well, look, there are, like, there are so many different directions we could go with this, but I, there's one direction I want to go in. Um, so one of the things we talked about is this kind of narrowing of the gap where humans are useful and 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 uh, let's for want of a better word are better than something artificial intelligence can 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 do so one area that we've talked about before is let's call it in the area of creative creativity where what was the, what was that awful tv program script written do you, do you mean sunspring I you mean, do you mean sun the daring experiment sunspring <laughs> that, that produced the most awful uh, script i've ever seen and i think one of the things that we talked and we talked about it in other podcasts as well so i think one of the things we kind of all agreed on was that actually there are some things that humans will always be able to do better than than AI, okay? And and it seemed to be, it was in this in the area of creativity. Now, first of all, that may be right or wrong, but let's assume for a moment that that's correct. But one of the things you said earlier, Nick, is, well, even if that is the case, um, what could be, let's say, the economic value of, of, of something like that? But is let, let's pursue that. Is there an area where humans will always be better at something and that that can add value and that is vital um, to the system playing out. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think it's going to be a long time before we have artificial intelligence which approximates the level of creativity and uh, the, the uniquely human things about creating new things, having new ideas. Um, but I think where you know where 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 humans will be uniquely uh, good at is being human and and doing things that machines just aren't, won't be interested in doing, mm. um, even if they have complete agency over themselves. So you know we we may we may. <coughs> It may it may be that we we have some sort of 
a cooperative alliance with these uh, with, with entirely autonomous agencies where, 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 where they devolve to us creative tasks or tasks that we are only good at that they get value from and vice versa so they, they, they will suffer a scarcity of humans uh, that we can provide yeah I, I mean i i'm not i i think the the we, we got to be careful of not confusing um just contingent things things that happen to be the case with things that are sort of fundamental here you know there's nothing fundamental about necessarily adding value to stuff like creating stuff mm. i know you know doing a job actually doing a job where you're adding value um is something that we do because things are scarce right and if we take that scarcity away you know the, the, there's no why should we sit around creating stuff if, if you know if machines are good at creating stuff themselves but i think to take a slightly different angle to peter there being human you know is is actually in itself something that people value when they're in relationships and i don't mean you know just sort of romantic relationships but people just like interacting with other humans for for its own sake we've evolved to do that we like it for the same reason we like going on roller coasters or listening to music it's a it's a, just a fundamental need that people have and um and and i think you know to take that a little bit further you know people will like things because they're made by a human you know uh, that it intrinsic it will have intrinsic value um you know people will like watching a human play the piano uh because it's nice to see a human do that uh we, you know it's kind of easy boring to watch a machine play the piano um the first you know after after the first few hundred times <laughs> okay. but uh, okay so look we've gone a little bit abstract there um so let's sort of bring it back down to earth a little bit and go back to the initial question so um, what automation and artificial intelligence are doing to the world of work. So we've sort of gone quite far in the future, but let's sort of bring it back to the here and now um, and think about our own careers, let's say in the next you know, one to five years. Um, how, how is it going to impact on us? Um, has anyone got any information, any thoughts on that? So uh, it, the, world, the world that we live in, the world of analysis and processing data and, and um, helping formulate rational decisions uh, based on available information, I think that, that, that that's ripe for um, a, a, an intelligent assistant. There's a lot, a lot of this work involves very, ma very uh, tedious manual uh, um, production of data, uh, sanitizing data, cleaning up data, which if, if which can could be automated. Many, much of, and much of it is beginning is being automated now. So, I can imagine a a, a desk analyst who's looking at a part of the world or analyzing a market or keeping an eye on stocks uh, will have an intelligent assistant that they can task to do things for them to help them to speed up to augment their ability to explore <laughs> new hypotheses generate new and and generate data to test those hypotheses okay nick uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's right. In 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 one sense, everyone's job is is transitory. Um, you know, everything is vulnerable to automation in the sense that you know you, you're doing your job, you're using information, you're making decisions. Every everyone's job is like that, and you know, in principle, all of that can be automated. Um, as Peter says, though, part of a lot of what we do involves uh, taking a mess, which is the real world, and helping people understand it. Um, and uh, at the moment, there's the real world is not remotely quantified enough to be subjected to a kind of repeatable process. Um, so, you know, where you find uh, that machines currently are doing a lot of the work is in things that are highly quantifiable. So <coughs> things like, um, uh, you know, face recognition or um, 
uh, automated uh, share trading, you know, things where I think where, where it's quite easy to measure and to quantify and to model um, in, in nearly all of the real world, the real world that people have to make decisions in, in business and in government is just nowhere near that. You know, we, we have a t- usually tiny little fragments of data uh, about things. And actually, most of it is 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 still reliant on humans under looking at a system and understanding it in a way that is not it's not a sort of data driven process. It's a systemic sort of approach. So so I think, you know, we, we are, you know, never, we are part of the process of automating the world. Um, but there's a hell of a lot that needs doing before we get there. OK, um, I feel we're coming close to a conclusion here. Um, I'm just trying to think with my own sort of uh, field of work of it's, it can be quite difficult. I feel looking at one's own work and working out how that could be altered by automation or AI. Um, it's difficult to be objective, but just if we just break it, if we just, you know, I do many things. If we just say, you know, I'm a filmmaker, um, just thinking off the top of my head, it, there might be um, in editing, it could be very useful. Um, and but the first, the main stuff that springs to mind, to be honest, is, is is stuff that's right for automation which is things like the marketing of my services mm. things like that and sales but the actual creative process is i find it a bit more difficult maybe with choosing shots there could be some stuff maybe with script writing there could be um so but i mean in but in i mean i've witnessed this when we set up these podcasts there's quite a lot of faffing around with machinery the mic stands and things to get it ready mm. if you had a if you had a little robot that just came in with a mic and just put it in the, exactly the right place got set the levels for you would be very easy to do mm. um that would be half an hour to an hour worth of setup time that you would get back mm. to do whatever you wanted check your facebook profile write a write a small play do something useful something mm. something and just, I mean, you know, to illustrate how far away we are, there we are nowhere near having robots that can set up mic stands. The complexity of getting that mic attached to the chair in the way that it is is huge, and we don't. There are no machines that are going to be cap- generally capable of doing those kinds of things mm. um, for for you know a few years at least. Um, I think I just well, you you're know, constraining I, it by giving it the same mic stand. I'm imagining a little robot that is the mic stand that yeah. just comes in. Oh and yeah, just no, that, that sounds quite nice. Yeah, no, with a chirpy little voice as well. Yeah. Ready to record now, sir. Yeah, T- taking I, taking your levels. And I think, um, I, but I think I think what we, you know, the the, the issue here is the sort of transition um, is going to be pretty painful for quite a lot of people. And I think you've only got to look at, you know, the, uh, an analogy of what happens with the sort of mining towns. You know that actually. Um, you know let's say it's economic progress you know miners were no longer effectively destroying value by you know mining things that were worth less than the cost of mining them um and you know but what was the result with having uh you know a lot of people living on welfare it Mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't good and it wasn't not good simply because there were sort of material disbenefits it wasn't good for social reasons that i think we don't fully understand but which we will probably have to face questions about in, I think, in the near that, future. But that, those problems were caused by the fact that their val- the value center that they were attached to was physical. You know, the, 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 the coal was in the ground in Wales and the people had to live next to the coal to mine it. Whereas in where, where more people now are in the information space where, where their job is to process one kind of information into another kind of information, the, there's no reason why most people in the city can't work from home. Yeah, I, I know, I know, it. but I, it's just more the the fact that people derived value from being feeling like they were doing something useful. I mean, people derived derived psychological 
value from that quite apart from the whatever economic value was produced well that paints sort of two different visions of the future because i can imagine you know riots and the battle of hoxton square as we've got thousands of disillusioned um hoxton um shoreditch hipsters who no longer got their jobs as web developers and designers that's uh, making cereal breakfast yeah, automated craft ale production yeah yeah there we yeah. go so yeah. we've got that, that may or, or may yeah, not the estate happen. agent riots of london yeah yeah 2025 um, they, they should be quelled very very uh, oppressively yeah. <laughs> okay look let's wrap up there um suffice to say that in this imperfect world although i don't yet have a robot to help me set up my mic stands um, in the meantime, I do have um, a, a graduate of engineering, namely Peter Coghill, to help me with my mic stands. Yeah, massive exploitation. And, and yeah. he, he too also has a chirpy voice. Um, so, gentlemen, thank you as always. Um, you've been listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrewer. I've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill. Thank you as always for listening. Until next time, bye-bye. Mm-hmm.